podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Chris Paxson and Rose Spiller. Chris, can you believe this is our 11th episode? It is unbelievable. And we are so thankful for all of you who have been faithfully listening. We certainly are. If you've been listening to all the previous episodes, you know that we've been doing a series loosely based on our upcoming book, No Half-Truths Allowed, Understanding the Complete Gospel Message, Yeah, and we say loosely based because these podcasts haven't been cliff notes or anything like that of our book, but we pulled out some of the points from our book and then we just expanded on them in a new way. This is our last episode in this series, but we have some exciting things coming up. We do, we do, but first we got to finish this series. So let's start with a quick recap of the last 10 episodes. Hopefully we all now have an understanding that we were dead and helpless in our sin until Jesus came to rescue us. He willingly left heaven, forsaking his glory to become fully man so he could do for us what we could never do. Jesus lived a sinless life, something that made him the only human to ever live who didn't deserve to be under God's wrath. Jesus was the only human who could have earned salvation through works, but instead he transferred his perfection to us, and in return he got our filthy rags of sin. He put himself under God's wrath so we wouldn't be. Yeah, and everything that happened to Jesus on Good Friday is what we deserved. Yet he bore it all, saving and preserving a people for himself who are now reconciled to God and will spend eternity with the Trinity in heaven. Our salvation is completely the work of God, and our saved status is permanent and can never be lost. It sure is. We are now sealed by the Holy Spirit, we've become adopted into the family of God, and we've gained citizenship into God's kingdom. It is by grace that we've been saved through faith, not of our own doing, but as a gift from God so that no one may boast. Amen. And it's essential that we understand that grace is completely free and completely undeserved and that we can't add anything to it. However, while grace is completely free and we receive countless blessings after we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's still a cost to following Jesus. There is. You know, everything comes with a cost. Sometimes the cost may be minimal and sometimes it's great. But every decision we make has a cost. Sometimes we make decisions without even considering the cost. Like last week when you and I ate an entire birthday cake without thinking about the cost of all the calories, Rose. Ah, it was delicious though. But now I am paying that cost because the waist of my jeans is really tight. I am too. (laughs) While we may not have given any thought to the cost of picking out on a cake, I'm sure everyone can think of decisions they made only after carefully considering the cost. Like choosing a school getting married, selling your house, or changing jobs. And the biggest decision we should give thought to is the cost of following Jesus. Having a realistic expectation of what life as a Christian could look like will keep us from becoming disillusioned and disappointed. Jesus knew this. He tells us to weigh the cost of being his disciple by comparing it to a building project in Luke 14, verses 28 to 30. He says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to build but was not able to finish. If you look at this passage in context, Jesus just left one of the Pharisees' houses and he gave them a good schooling while he was there. They were so angry and baffled by him they couldn't speak. 
After Jesus leaves the Pharisee's house, he's walking and a big crowd gathers around him. Some in the crowd were there because they had heard Jesus had performed miracles and they wanted to see it for themselves and maybe even hoped to be on the receiving end of one of those miracles. Some were there because there was talk that Jesus was the promised Messiah and they were hoping he was going to initiate a revolution against the Roman Empire. Some were Pharisees or others who hated Jesus and wanted him to trip up so they could arrest him and get rid of him. And then there were some in the crowd who truly believed that Jesus was the Son of God and they wanted to become his disciple. It's to this diverse crowd that Jesus tells this parable to. He's telling them to weigh the cost before following him to make sure they're able to see it through. He would ask us the same question. Are we willing to go all in when following Jesus? Chris, right before he tells them this parable, he blurts out these two statements in Luke chapter 14, 26 and 27 that would have been pretty shocking to the crowd and maybe even a little shocking to us. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Then while everyone's jaw was probably hanging open, he adds, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Family was everything in that culture. To be told that you must hate your family to follow Jesus would have been scandalous. And the second statement would have been even more unbelievable to the crowd. The Roman Empire had used crucifixion as a means of punishing criminals and they did it also to deter future potential criminals. It has been described as the cruelest and most horrific punishment in all of history. So when Jesus tells the crowd, whoever isn't willing to bear their own cross can't be his disciple, they got the picture. And I can't imagine that they were too fond of the picture. No, which is why Jesus tells them the first verses that we read. Consider the cost before you jump in. Can you commit to going all in regardless of the consequences? Bishop J.C. Ryle once said, Nothing causes so much backsliding as enlisting disciples without letting them know what they're taking in hand. Jesus wants to make sure anyone who follows him knows what they may be in for. Rose, this wasn't just hyperbole on Jesus' part. And a lot of Jesus' disciples paid the ultimate price for following him. All of his apostles, except John, were executed. James was beheaded. Philip was scourged and crucified. Matthew was run through with a halberd, which is a combination of a spear and a battle axe. The other James was stoned and had his brains literally beaten out of his head with a club. Matthias, the apostle who took Judas's place, was stoned and beheaded. Andrew was crucified. Mark, the gospel writer, was dragged to death behind a chariot. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Bartholomew was beaten and crucified. Thomas was run through with a spear, and Luke, the gospel writer, was hanged. In case anyone's wondering how John escaped martyrdom, he didn't get off that easy. They did try to kill him by submerging him in a pot of boiling oil. But when God miraculously allowed him to come away unscathed without any injury, they decided to just exile him to a desert island. Chris, these seem like extreme cases, but all through history, there's stories like these. Followers of Christ being tortured and killed. There's Christians in the world right now who are suffering fates just as horrific as the apostles. There's countries where it's completely legal to kill Christians. I know, and it should make us sick what is happening to our brothers and sisters all over the world. We should be praying every day for that to stop. We should. For those of us who live in the U.S. or a place where there's freedom to worship Christ, it's unlikely that we'll ever have to pay this severe cost for our faith. But that doesn't mean we won't have costs. 
No, it doesn't. And Jesus addresses some of these costs we may face in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This passage in Luke is a great illustration of some of the costs we may have to pay when we follow Jesus. Chris, in this passage, there's three men contemplating following Jesus. The situation of each of them is a little different, but together they give us a full picture of what following Jesus might look like for us. The first man says, I'll follow you wherever you go. He's like, let's do this, Jesus. Jesus' response might seem a little odd. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Why does he respond this way and what does it mean? Christ, the Son of God and the Messiah, is homeless. Jesus is telling the man that one of the costs of following him is that you might have to forsake your material possessions, your home, your money, etc. The second guy doesn't jump to volunteer like the first one did. Instead, Jesus tells him, follow me. He's a little hesitant and says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus' answer of let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God may seem a little harsh. A lot like when he told the crowd, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. But we need to understand what's going on here. This man says he wants to follow Jesus, but just not right now. He has things he needs and wants to do first. He'll wait until his dad dies and then he'll come follow Jesus. But what this guy is really saying is I'm comfy in this world right now. I'll follow you later after I've had my fun. As believers, we should be turning towards the things of God and away from the things of the world. The cost being laid out here is that to follow Jesus, we must be willing to walk away from, turn our back on, and stand against the things of this world that go against God, even if it's your own family. This is the same thing Jesus meant when he told the crowd, you must hate your family. He was saying that following him needs to be your top priority and you need to be willing to give up everything even your family, if necessary, to do it. The third man says he wants to follow Jesus, but first wants to go back and say goodbye to his family. Jesus answers him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus' message is pretty blunt here. We need to put on our big boy pants, knuckle down, and forge ahead in the service of God. The cost of following here? We must be all in. There's no place for a lukewarm Christian. In fact, Jesus has something to say about lukewarm Christians in his letter to the church in Laodicea. Revelation 3.16 says, Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We should be passionate about Jesus and our faith. In gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, we should want to strive to serve and honor him in everything we do and say and in every area of our life. Logic dictates that the only way possible to do this is to know about Jesus first. What's the best way to know Jesus? Read the book about him. These three accounts and Jesus' words to the crowd have one central message. To be a disciple, a follower of Jesus is costly and we must be willing to pay whatever cost we're called to. 
Chris, there's nothing about Jesus that isn't wonderful, perfect, and amazing. However, following him is another matter. Are we willing to walk the same path he did? Are we willing to endure the same things he had to? Rejection, persecution, and death. This was Jesus's point in the two statements he made to the crowd about hating your family and taking up your cross. Jesus is not saying that we should hate our family. He's not even saying that we should necessarily forsake our family. Honoring your mother and father is one of the Ten Commandments, so Jesus certainly would not preach against it now saying to hate them. We're called to love our families and take care of them because they've been given to us by God. While hanging on the cross and about to die, Jesus thought of his own mother and he told John to take care of her. So Jesus is not anti-family. His point is that he needs to be first. He needs to come before everything and everyone in your life. Exactly. And since he's first in our life, if we find ourselves in a situation where anything or anyone is keeping us from following Jesus, we need to be willing to walk away from it. Nabil Koresh was a Muslim who became a Christian. He knew the cost of his following Jesus would be that his family would shun him and basically consider him dead. And that's exactly what did happen. Yet once he made the choice to follow Jesus, he never looked back. We need to be single-mindedly focused on the things of God. We can't serve two masters. So whatever is distracting us or keeping us from following Jesus, we must be willing to forsake it. That's the cost of being a follower of Jesus. Being willing to pay the cost of following Jesus and being willing to take the same path that he did is part of our sanctification. As we see from these passages and many others, Jesus calls us to some pretty hard things. But nothing we have and no one in our life should take the place of God in our hearts and lives. Jesus says if it does, the cost of following him is to get rid of it. Because he knows that it is only by doing this that we will grow in our faith and have an intimate relationship with God. Chris, most of us will probably never have to give up our houses or forsake our families for following Jesus. But we only need to watch the news to see that Christians in America are facing persecution. A Christian baker was temporarily shut down and was sued because he refused to make a wedding cake for a homosexual wedding. He lost thousands of dollars in revenue, not to mention all the money he had to put out for legal fees for his lawyer. And we're probably all familiar with the ongoing persecution that Chick-fil-A faces because the CEO gives his own money not the business's money, to a Christian organization which obviously opposes abortion. Political and judicial leaders running for office are often scrutinized, bullied, and ostracized for their Christian beliefs. They are calling for a judge to be disbarred because after a Christian man said he forgave his brother's murderer and hugged her right in open court, the judge gave the defendant her Bible. Christians are regularly portrayed as narrow-minded, bigoted, racist, and evil on mainstream news. One quote-unquote journalist even compared Christianity to mental illness. We could go on and on. Safe to say that it doesn't look like this kind of persecution is stopping anytime soon. Now, in fact, it's probably just going to get worse. So can we stand it? Can we stand up to the liberal bullies who hate us and tell us we're evil and proudly proclaim that we're followers of Jesus, even if it means being ridiculed, ostracized, maybe even physically attacked? As Christians, we need to be ready for whatever we may face, and we need to decide how we will respond. If we want to be a true follower of Jesus, Jesus needs to be at the center and at the head of our lives. He must always be top priority. Jesus is the sustainer and master of the universe. Everything belongs to him. Yet he willingly, temporarily gave up his glory and his majesty to come to earth as a man to save us. What he got in return was temptation rejection, betrayal, heartache, torture, and death. 
If he was willing to pay all of that for us, is there any sacrifice that would be too great for us to pay for him? Hopefully we are all answering that with a big no. We hope you've enjoyed this series. We would love to hear any feedback, comments, or questions you may have. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a blessed day.